0: Hello, this is Hillary and Clinton, and welcome to Blacklantic, a podcast and media channel bringing East Coast voices to the world.
1: This week, we'll be interviewing Junior Moaku of the Save Me, Save We.com clothing line.
0: Our podcast is weekly with guests and topics, and you can find us online by searching Blacklantic on most social media platforms, as well as on our website, blacklantic.ca. Um, Clinton, how was your weekend?
1: My weekend was pretty good. I saw some cousins from Prince Edward Island. They were in town for some baseball games. And, you know, my cousin's team obviously took the gold. They won the whole tournament. So that was good. And I also had a chance to stop by the Mosaic Festival, which is Moncton's multicultural festival. Now, in past years, a lot of people have criticized the festival for being, you know, not as much of a multicultural festival, but more of like an Acadian festival, uh, especially because the Acadians have a different festival later on in, uh, in August. However, this year was, I saw the most representation and diversity that I'd ever seen in a festival. There must have been about 30 or 40 different cultures represented, lots of live presentations and, and performances from, from different cultural c- groups and countries. And at the end, I got to be honest, that Maestro Fresh West. Uh, a lot of a lot of y'all might not know him if you're if you're younger but maestro fresh west did his performance at at 9 p.m and it was a pretty live show it was pretty packed it was good uh i missed aquaculture an artist from nova scotia who's a very talented musician and I, i really regret that but i couldn't get there on time but uh yeah so this mosaic festival well there's you know pros and cons to every festival and some behind the scenes stuff um it was a good representation. Not only was it well represented, I noticed the people walking around. It was the most diversity I'd, I'd ever seen in the the festival goers this year. Just showing the continued diversity and how Moncton is actually getting quite more multicultural.
0: I saw the like a, a reel from downtown Moncton, and I did not realize there were that many uh, like countries that like or people that lived in Moncton now, and I was thoroughly impressed. Also, oh, I mentioned yeah. to you aquaculture because I want to get them on the podcast. So that's sick. Yeah,
1: they're really talented. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. they're really great. Um I know and... you heard of
1: them junior, right? <laughs> no, I don't not have oh, So oh, oh, I'm gonna have to look Halifax. into them. You gotta check them out.
0: Yeah. I think that from my understanding, talking to someone else from another Canadian band, they're like Africville based, from my understanding, or mm. like it's a gentleman from Africville, but now they're probably out of Halifax, but no uh, uh, Scotian uh, well, black band
1: yeah they're they're awesome yes Hillary how was your weekend and then let's get to the of man of the hour junior. I will
0: very quick mine was good very quickly the big thing that's coming up for Toronto is Carabana Carnival and so I went to a like a pre what why Nothing. are you making that, that, that face that
1: horrible accent <laughs> attempt
0: it was not an attempt I was just trying carabana, to say it in a fine car- way
1: Carabana
0: <laughs> I was just trying to say it in a fun way. I'm not going to try. Um, but no, we went to um, Black Owned T.O., which is a company here that that is a specifically black store with all of these little vendors. They did a market at Stockton, So I got to go look at all of the fun, like clothes and food. And it was sort of like a, a pre-gaming for the big weekend next weekend. So that was my big thing. And then there was a DJ thing at Woodbine Park and Beach near my house. So I did that. Walked 35,000 steps. That was my weekend. That's Enough. amazing.
1: Yeah. Tell us, tell us about you. Here.
0: Yes. So the the intro that I have, which I found on the save me, save me we website, but I will preface this by saying that we spoke to Tyshawn Carter Newman. We had on the show who told us about you. Um, and so we're really thrilled to have you on. Cause we did have like a little bit of inside knowledge, but Save Me, Save We is a clothing brand whose focus is to increase the conversation around mental health through the power of fashion. Their eye-catching designs, inspirational slogans, and motivational quotes welcome positive conversations. Save Me, Save We also focuses on increasing the mental health education literacy of youth, young adults, and parents by empowering them with training and resources necessary to improve or maintain their emotional wellness. They offer several workshops as well. And Julian, as we will get into, you're not only running of this but model actor alumni from acadia got a ton of things going on how are you doing today
2: i'm well i'm well um busy it's been uh intense last eight months and um but it's been a good summer so far so i'm excited
0: that's good that's good we're glad we're so excited to have you on um before we get into your exciting eight months we wanted to start out with a bit about who you are, um, if you were born and raised from Halifax, maybe your parents, if they immigrated to Halifax, how you got to be where you are today.
2: Yeah, so um, I was born in Montreal. Um, so I grew up there until I was seven. So I speak French fluently, that's the first language. My parents um, immigrated from Belgium before immigrating there, they were from the Congo. So I'm Congolese uh, by blood. And um, so I grew up in Hamilton and. Just played basketball and eventually went to school in Chicago, then Iowa, and then Cape and eventually Wolfville. So, I um, people like to say I'm well traveled and seen many places, but I think all those experiences led me to um, creating this the company really. So, it's all necessary somewhere.
1: How How, how did living in these different places lead you to create a company with such a like a positive message and focus on mental health?
2: I think um, I had the um, I was fortunate to see different side of the world, even though it could, Midwest, let's say um, Chicago and Midwest Iowa, they're both within the same region, but they are two different types of cultures. And so growing up in Hamilton, which was a different world, growing up in um, Montreal, which was a different world, and then going to the east coast of Nova Scotia, they're all different places. And I think um. Having so many experiences of moving, meeting new people, and seeing different types of lifestyle, seeing different types of people, really grew my my social interactions and my emotional intelligence um, to a point where I became very aware of people, emotions, and just culture all around. So, um, the way that helped this company specifically is, um, I got to move to Chicago when I was seventeen and super young, and I started playing I was playing basketball in a scholarship that well I was playing basketball in a sport that I only started taking seriously two years prior. I was I wanted to be a pro skateboarder. I wanted to travel the world, be a Ryan Scheckler, hang out with Nigel Houston and all those guys. And um but when I decided to focus on basketball, I knew that my skills weren't at the highest level. Um, I knew that my work ethic would get me where I wanted to which was just play college basketball, maybe p- possibly play pro. And um, doing so, I realized, okay, I went, to, I went to school in Chicago, and I was like, man, I'm playing in front of guys who have who are more skilled, but not as, uh, as mentally sharp or as mentally focused as I was. And uh, that's when I was introduced to, okay, um, mental health plays a big part in the classroom, plays a big part in our social life, plays a big part um, in, in, in sports. And so Seeing that, then going to Iowa and seeing how magnified sports are and how people react to um, wins and loss and the pressure of, of social interactions um, really put a spotlight for that on me, if that made sense. When you are, when you stay in your own circle your whole life, you actually don't see the differences. And so the people who live and then grew up in Iowa. Don't, don't know anything outside of Iowa. <clears throat> and being from Montreal, Hamilton, coming from Chicago, Nova Scotia, and all those places, I, I realized that there is a very big common denominator in people's happiness and people's social life. And it was um, the lack of attention on their mental health.
0: <clears throat> wow. I, I find that super fascinating. And I want to ask two questions and hope, like I hope hope that they're okay to ask them. Tell me sure. if you don't, don't want to <laughs> answer them, that's fine. But I'm curious if like, what your mental health was sort of, like, traveling that much, and if it's that, like, introspection that helped put a spotlight on the mental health in the general vicinity of all of those different cities, because for me, as someone who's only really lived Canada, Moncton, Toronto, Ottawa, I can pinpoint the differences in, like, how I've been treated racially, which is the other question I want to ask you, Um, but, like, to me, Canada, I see, like, A sort of blanket mental health across the board there's like the elite rich and there's sort of everybody else whereas you know Mm -hmm. two different countries with much different surprisingly to some people like laws and rules and ways of living despite being neighbors I'm wondering like did you find in yourself by traveling so much that your mental health was in a state that you started looking at resources and the people around you and noticing differences and then also the similarities in all those countries or what for you like what were those differences
2: um, the, looking back, my mental health was never really crucially impacted, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't like pinpoint it to mental health until later on. I was just like, "What is this thing that um people are battling and not realizing?" Like you can you understand it, but you're not speaking it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I could just feel it. And so when I went to school in Iowa, I think I had nine classes in one semester. I had um, and we had to wake up for team breakfast. I was doing an expedited like accounting program, and so it was like team breakfast at seven thirty, and then you had class, 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 and then I had practice. Then right after that, I usually had piano, and then I had uh, probably like two science classes in the afternoon, um, in the evening, and then I was I was at the library, and that was those were my days. And from Monday to Thursday, and then Thursday night, me and my friends would get loose, so that it was kind of like. <laughs> it was very restricted and it was higher pressure. And within those times I was like, oh man, I'm burning out. And I, and I could tell like, um, what is this thing? So my coping mechanism was those Thursday nights. It was those outlets. It was, um, looking forward to the weekend. We used to say, win or lose, we lose. And looking back, I didn't understand at the time, but it was later on when you're like, okay, what is, what is destructive and what is, and why are we not coming out of this more empowered and so, though my mental health in college was never, it was never a detriment because I kind of was always, I always ask my questions and I'll speak to it about it a little bit later. Um, I, I was always more on top of it, if that made sense. I didn't know how to put words to it, but I was always like, oh, why am I feeling like this? Maybe going to hang out with some friends or go for a drive um, would be nice. And then that would be my self-care, but I didn't have the words to put it at, at the time
1: yeah the way you're explaining makes that makes perfect sense yeah. yeah like self-care and coping mechanisms and people who have coping mechanisms in place are usually better able to deal with mental health issues stress or even trauma I think that's what you're trying to say like you thankfully had these tools to lay back on whereas people around you you saw didn't would you say that's like a yes or my my um, way off
2: yeah to well no you're 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 pretty much right it's so right now I'm a lot more articulated than I was then. Right. Sure. But I'm trying to use words or feelings that I felt in that present in, the, in that time. Right. And so I'm kind of like our friends wouldn't talk if we were stressed or anxious, like we lose about six to seven guys a year on basketball teams um, because of stress or depression or anxiety. But those words are not really being expressed. And so we're so we're just like this person is feeling unwell or something like that, you know what I mean? And so yeah. we didn't have we didn't have words um, to put it together. So me when I was there, uh, I say this in my in some of my presentations I almost lost a, a family member due to death by suicide um, when I was younger. So the idea of feeling emotionally unwell to the point where you wouldn't want to take your life was already in my mind and so every time where I felt I never felt like myself, I would be like, what what will revitalize me in this moment if that makes sense
1: it does I'm, i mean so that situation i was just asking because like so that situation actually the, the almost suicide opened your eyes to the fact that people can get so upset or have so many internal issues that they would take their own life For me i was like i don't i have one hillary you didn't get to ask your question about racism i'm sorry we, but I have we can
0: go back to it after Yeah, one more go on.
1: i mean Is one thing you notice growing, where I grew up in Toronto, like concepts like mental health and depression and therapy and psychology, those are words I never heard growing up. It wasn't even a thing. Um, In the different places you grew up, were those, did you notice those similarities in different cities that people in certain communities just didn't talk about those kinds of things?
2: No, we don't talk about it. Even like by almost losing a family member to it, it was never talked about. yeah. After the situation was um, resolved, it was probably never mentioned again. And so it, it leaves you with like, hmm, what what happened? You want you you have questions, but it's kind of taboo. And if you're yeah. Christian or you're black, it's it's a very stigmatized thing. And so um, it's I w- definitely <laughs>
1: we were, I was both,
2: <laughs> you know, so so yeah. you know exactly yeah. what I'm saying. It's definitely yeah. not talked about. And so. Um, it's, it's the fact that you're exposed, that your mind kind of wanders like, hmm, this, this is a possibility. And I feel like some people never had the chance to just talk about it or even know that depression could lead to this. And honestly, like seven, the progress we've made with mental health and discussions in sports and athletes seven years ago or eight years ago has drastically changed. But when I tell you that that word never came up in my three years in America, uh, it never did.
0: That's crazy. That's uh, really sad. And also, but like a stark difference too, I guess now, cause I mean, I can like completely agree with everything's Clinton saying, and, and maybe something you've noticed about the East coast as well is that. I felt like growing up that there was no, um, mention of that type of stuff as well. For me, it was moving to Ontario that I all of a sudden noticed all of these resources and this big push for mental health here, but Besides the point, yeah. The question that I wanted to ask you very briefly, and just b- because we're a black-centric podcast, and I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, and uh, is about you know ever feeling out of place because you are a black man in all of these different locations, and you named so many. And I, I often people think that like Montreal, Toronto, the bigger cities are going to be more inclusive, and that places like Cape Breton aren't. And then I've spent time in Halifax, and I've heard that Halifax isn't. And so I'm just curious overall are there any of those places that like any experience that you had stuck out to you as negative towards your race or your personhood or maybe the opposite is something really positive or you were surprised and did you think Cape Breton was as white as I currently think that it is because I don't I still haven't been to Cape Breton and I'm like it's white right
2: yeah um yeah I (laughs) first off it it was I'll answer the Cape Breton question in a second. But um moving so much have put me in so many different types of scenarios where I was kind of discriminated in some way or form. Uh, coming from Montreal to Hamilton, I was French and I had a Quebecois accent. And so um growing up, I, I felt what it felt like to be alienate, alienated um because of feeling a little different. And um and then going to Chicago was all black. Like it was the first time in my life where I was just surrounded by a Black community and it felt super welcoming. So when I went to Iowa, it was a complete shock, right? It was predominantly white. And I did, you, if you look for the bad in people, you will see it. And so um, when I was there, I, I did not focus, I, I did not focus on racism. I did not look to, for the bad. I stayed within my corner. And so I honestly can say I didn't really experience it. Though I know it was happening, I did not experience it as much. And then when I went to um, Cape Breton, there was there are Black communities there, and there are there is um, some racism happening and discrimination. But again, um, I I did not put my focus or put out the energy that I want to reciprocate any of that stuff. If that makes sense. Um, My high school yearbook quote was "Stay low, keep your feet moving," which is a quote from um, Friday Night Lights, and um, that's kind of how I was playing to go to university. It was like, focus on what you got to do and keep moving. And, and that stuff I never really bothered me or affected me much. I've never really saw it. Awesome.
0: Thank you. It's, and thank you for letting me know about Cape Breton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, you'll, you'll, did you say you've been to Cape Breton?
0: No, I haven't. In Nova Scotia, I think I've only gone to Halifax. I think, I don't think I've gone anywhere else really in Nova there's Scotia. A,
2: there's a massive black community in Cape Breton. And so it's, So it's not as bad as people think, but uh, it's definitely uh, the country.
0: (laughs) All right, well, next summer I'll I'll make an effort.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful too. Oh my God.
1: We often hear one of the other when we're interviewing guests on the show. Like either people are very... Tuned into and focused on the racism and the fight and the struggle to break it down. Because whether we, or not we pay attention to it, it's there. And even if it's not blatantly in your face, it's systemically yeah. there. And then uh, the other group of people we interview typically say um, what you said, which is, which is a perfectly reasonable and sound way to live as well. Like I I'm here, I got to survive. I got to hustle. I got to focus on what I got to focus on. I know there's the stuff around me, but I've got my eyes on the prize and I want positive things to come into my life. So mm-hmm. yeah, what you pay attention to, what you look for, you will find. So, um, yeah, I just want to point out that, that we see that, like, you know, it's around you, but you kind of keep your head low and, and just keep for moving sure. forward to the end.
2: For and sure. It's, it's like, for example, for example, um, uh, in iowa <clears throat> there i have friends who their families like i could never date outside i can never date biracial let's say right but um their parents i'm best friends with their parents i'm playing piano playing piano with them at church and they're like my accounting uh tutors and, and it's a very t- uh, tight-knit community and it's kind of like but some people like if if, if i gave them something to look bad upon my culture or me as a black man then they probably would have attacked that you know what i mean and so wh- whenever i was in a situation where i'm where i'm like uh, the minority i just always say my authentic self i didn't have to please anybody but i always was respectful and i felt like that was always reciprocated to me and so um i, I kind of lucked out with that but it, it, it is also in a way and we're, i'm saying this because it's kind of like um racism has a way to to manifest this way in, in weird ways, you know what I mean? And it's like, yes, I accept you, but you don't belong type of thing. And so I saw that a lot.
1: Or as long as you don't act like the, any, as long as you don't do anything that fits the negative stereotype I have of other Black people, because maybe you're just not not like them. Yeah. So you're accepted, uh, but you have to, we have to code switch a bit. Um, and you don't want to give them any reason to think, to reinforce any stereotypes they might have. And I'm not calling everyone down there racist or not calling white people racist at all. But like you said, there are some of those out there. Anyways, um, that was, no, that was very insightful. Um, Did you talk much about living in Halifax? What was, what was living in Halifax like for you since again, we're East Coast? Uh,
2: Honestly, like ironically, the place where I felt Physically, the most racism in all my like my traveling was probably in Halifax. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> which no, I think sense. it's pretty funny because um I've been in places where you wouldn't see um diversity in thirty mile radius, but um it's it's and I Scotia's think it's
1: got a, a big history though.
2: Yeah, I th- and it's 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 weird, but Halifax has been great. Honestly, like other than the little slip ups every now and then, I have really enjoyed living in Halifax. Um, I was fortunate to be employed right out of university and I had still had my clothing brand going. And so um, coming here and finding a community that was supportive, a community that was, um, helped me grow my network and all that. Um, it's been, Halifax has been great.
0: So I'm curious because you mentioned doing like, obviously sports scholarship college, but then alumni of Acadia. So at what point did you switch? And then what you just said is that you had started the brand. So you started the brand while you were studying? And then how does the accounting come into play in all of those lanes?
2: Honestly, I don't (laughs) even know. (laughs) I I just, yeah, like I wanted to go to school and do something that was worthwhile. And uh, I was always told by my high school math teacher accounting was it. And so when I went, when I had the opportunity to do it, I was like, I'll do accounting. I wanted to do economics, but they didn't offer it as a major. and then when I went to Acadia, I already had my accounting AA, which is good enough to be a bookkeeper, an account assistant, or an accountant if you get your CPA. Um, but uh, I wanted to continue my studies, and so I want to maybe get an MBA. Um, so I went to K-Brand, basketball there wasn't as great, and then I went to Acadia just to get my BBA. But um, it was at Acadia that I decided to grow the company. Like my At the end of my fourth year of university, I did five years.
0: Okay. Do you want to tell us like what, what sparked the idea? Cause you mentioned that like, obviously it was all this mental health like insight that you had and learning the language and your own family experiences, but w- what was it that made you one day go, I'm going to take this thing that I care about and turn it into not only just activism, but also activism through a brand and clothing, or did it start out with wanting to sell clothes and then the activism piece came in after the fact?
2: Uh, it was probably both at the same time. And, and like like I said, like I've I've been all over the place and did like the skateboarding, like acting, all that. And so mental health, I never was like was never like, oh this is gonna be my passion, I'm gonna become an expert on on mental health. It it felt like it was so in my so in my face I needed to talk about it. And then it was impacting the people that I cared about the most, which were my friends and family, and nobody was really talking about it. But the triggering point was um. so this is so now I've played basketball in four different cities in six different years. And I've got to see a different type of people and I could see a reoccurring theme. And it's just like sports teams are losing four to five guys a year due to mental health reasons. And by that point, I understand what mental health is. And I'm in hotel rooms traveling with guys and I'm like, why are you sad? Why are you depressed? And they're they're giving hints but they're not trying to talk about it It's still stigmatized and i'm trying to welcome that conversation without pushing too much or crossing boundaries and so um that's it was really like what i was saying it's really impacting like, my, my teammates and i could really see it but i didn't really want to uh, probe too much because it would create pushbacks and um and so that's when I first noticed and it became really apparent. So when I noticed that I could just see all the red flags everywhere. And one day I was at the library and I could overhear a group of students talking and saying, I can't wait to get this exam done so I can get blackout drunk. And it's really in that moment where I realized that our coping mechanisms for drugs, that our coping mechanisms are alcohol, that our coping mechanisms is everything destructive rather than empowering. And so, and I also realized in that moment, that feeling I've been feeling since Chicago, which is, People's pain and suffering cannot take, bring you happiness. It actually takes away from that. Um, and that moment, it really became apparent. Like, I give this example. Like, have you ever told a joke to somebody? And you guys are laughing and somebody walks in the room mad as hell. And all of a sudden, their energy makes a joke all of a sudden not fun anymore, right? Um, we're products of our environment and people's actions, energy, words, their thoughts and decisions impact you directly or indirectly. And that really became apparent for me at that moment. I was like, ah, that's what it is. That's why sometimes I'm feeling happier than other people in situations where we should all be feeling happy, but their pain and energy is taken away from that. And so um, that moment in that library realizing that, man, those people are, they're about to finish this exam on Thursday and go get messed up. Is their way to celebrate all their hard work? Is was, to me, was alarming. And so... Uh, right away I messaged my brother and I was like man I wanted people to talk to me about mental health without um having without doing the most and so that's why I had the idea of having a shirt that said save me on it and so people would genuinely ask me hey what's going on and I gave me the opportunity to talk about mental health and so that's how the the idea of save
1: me Save Me" came about wow um and in the beginning, is that the result you got? Did you find that um, your goal was working? People were coming up to you and, and speaking to you? And how did the brand grow from there?
2: Yeah, so so I think I got the idea in April, and I kind of was telling a couple people, like my couple close friends, like I'm going to wear a shirt that says this, but it was still very stigmatized. And I was very afraid. Um, so I didn't really think it was going to work um, as well as it did. But then that June, I lost a friend that I had met in Iowa um, through death by suicide. And that's when I was like, all right, no, this is whether I like it or not, I'm going to pursue with all my might, at least my final year of basketball. My focus is I'd be talking about mental health um, because it's it's bad and I'm losing people that I care about. And so, um, yeah, I. September 15th, I believe, I started, I started going to class with a shirt that said, save me on it. My teacher, would, I walk in class, teachers would be like, everybody sit down, everybody sit down, Junior needs saving. And, <laughs> and so my teachers would be like, Junior, what's going on? Like, you all talk, talk to me. And then it was a chance for me to talk about my mental health in front of the class, right? And then they would be like, see my vulnerability and, and talk about their own mental health and seeing people um, of their a third pedigree of people like who are we look up to talk about their own mental health and their own struggles was very effective. And it showed me in the moment that mental health was not just for the students. Because I remember I don't know nothing. I'm just here pushing a message that I know is not talked about. Right. I was like, oh wow, it's not just us students, it's also adults. And um and that mean and that taught me a lot. And within that month of wearing the shirt, I don't wear them anymore as much because it is it was so it was so gravitating people would be like what's going on everything okay and so it worked very effectively and um, within that month i realized one thing i stopped saying fight the stigma because um a fight is a physical and verbal conflict between one or more party, uh, two or more party and when i talked about mental health nobody was fighting me or arguing what i was saying was wrong um i realized people were just not educated on it and so uh, the stigma was creating by a the lack of education. And so that's why I was like, member not just going to be a clothing brand. We're going to be a company that focused on mental health literacy and educate. And so uh, by October, I shut it down. (laughs) I was like, man, I got to educate myself because people were coming to my house at 2am. People were calling me. Um, People were texting me. Asking to see me after class or like, it it just became, I became a place where people like, Hey, I can talk to you about mental health, which was the goal. It was, how do we start this
0: conversation? That's crazy. Very cool to be so successful, but I understand the like overwhelm. Um, on a very like personal but like r- related note, I've been very vocal about a lot of my mental health stuff, about being sober, about sexual assault, about all of these things. And my mm-hmm. DMs often have become people safe spaces to the point where I've had to be like you need to just send a trigger warning if at 8 a.m you're going to be like hey I need help because this person's going to be at an event and they assaulted me and I don't know how to proceed because I can't just wake up to these things and I can completely uh. understand that like you want people to get educated, you want people to have safe spaces, you want people to be able to talk about it and know that they've got someone in their corner, but you have to have boundaries to protect your own mental being so that you don't burn out or also get triggered and traumatized in the process. And you're trying to like, you're just trying to have conversations with people, like the bombardment I can imagine must have been crazy. Um, And so yeah, the reason we've heard about you is because of these talks and these workshops that you've given and how it's grown in that way. So after shutting it down in October and working on the like literacy portion of it all yeah. from from what I gather from the website I think you offer like seven or eight different types of workshops so if you want to tell us a bit about like what some of those entail what the reception has been what the like how how big has this gotten for you
2: um honestly like I'm gonna say from what it was and what it started everything to me is massive it's colossal because I, all I wanted to do was help a couple teammates, and um, the fact that some people wear the shirt and send me messages saying, um, seeing my involvement within this movement um, really support them, it's, it's it's been big. And the fact that um, people are now asking for me to become a speaker, a keynote, or do workshop, to me is just, it's something I, that was kind of unfathomable unfathomable at the time, because you never think it leads to that, you know what I mean? And so um, the way workshops are really created is um, whether I, I learn new content and I'm like, oh, this idea will work well um, or some organizations are like, hey, we want to do a workshop for youth. And so I create a whole workshop that focuses on three things I believe is super important for youth. And so our main workshops right now is called Thriving Peace, Not in Pieces, which is uh, a workshop I developed mainly for college students and focusing on how to set goals. And um, actually, Thriving Peace, nine Pieces focuses on goals and accomplishment, but really highlights how we neglect our wellness or wellness routines and what self-care really is. And so Thriving Peace, nine Pieces is one of our best ones. And then we got mental health over mental games, which... Um, helps people become better allies for men and how to support them in their mental health journey and um, we got a couple others
0: so for anybody who's just listening also if you want to switch to YouTube click and listen on both platforms um, we're looking right now at save and looking at the various workshops that are listed on the website um I think that's incredible and I did want to, highlight like obviously I don't fully can't understand it all because I'm a woman but it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about in like the sports and the locker rooms and the hotel and a lot of the stigma is not just the stigma of speaking out about mental health but it's also the toxic masculinity of men aren't supposed to feel they're not supposed to have emotions or cry or be vulnerable they're always supposed to just be tough and do run for the goal play the sports be the manly man and not actually feel and you're out here trying to break down that barrier and, and make that change. And I think that's a, like ex- extremely important because we we all live in a safer community when everybody can be vulnerable, not just people who present as women.
2: <laughs> For sure. And there's a lot of pressure too. It's kind of like, at the time I was very scared because it's, um, let's say you decide to talk about mental health, right? And you're under, underperforming as an athlete, then people would associate your performance with the fact that you are comfortable talking about mental health and you're emotional and that uh, impacts the way you play. So I felt the pressure of um, being a a good athlete and representing being a voice for the voiceless at the time. And it was, and it was very, and I think to me that was the most challenging part in the locker room. Um, But again, even while doing this, right. It wasn't talked in the locker rooms as a group, but it was, but individuals will come and talk to me. You know what I mean? And so I felt, I feel like um, that tox, that toxic masculinity masculinity in in locker rooms and in sports gotta be addressed from top down. Once you see your leader talk about it, then the other people will follow.
1: Yeah, you mentioned certain groups earlier, like um, Black communities and Christian communities, and of, sport, of course the athletic world, but yeah, there's also, I, I was going to mention that too, there's the male aspect of it, that men aren't um, conditioned to speak about how they feel. Uh, it's more about thinking and acting and not actually having feelings and emotions. So even that can be viewed uh, as uh, a sign of weakness um, among men traditionally, which is slowly starting to change uh, over the past 10 years. What what year did this all start
2: uh this started in i had the idea in 2018 um but it's really started like what the company looks like today more so in 29 late 2019
1: okay um we see on your website there's podcasts there's youtube yeah. video series so these are all ways which, to reach different people in different ways on top of the workshops right
2: yeah which which honestly like i i had like so outlaw was a team uh, Web series that I created um, right before the pandemic, and it talked about we we would talk to individuals who uh, went through their emotional like their mental health struggles, and it talks about the re- the resiliency over how they overcame and all that. And so there's about five episodes we've just been I never felt comfortable releasing at the time, and now we're finally I'm finally comfortable releasing that. And then I did Home but not alone. As, as well, there's a couple episodes that are going to come out with different individuals from different professions who talk about their mental health and how they're thriving throughout the pandemic. But what I think we're going to do is just put all of those together and just make it the big out loud, which is hearing people's darkest and deepest fears and um, overcomings out loud, which okay. started with Riley, who all it's a brave soul to share his story, which is awesome, which is what we needed, right? which is the reality of a, a college student who went through depression and suicidal ideation and suicidal attempts. And now talking about um, his overcoming, how he lives life. And um, it's it's an amazing episode. And the next one is where we have uh, one with a mother who um, I met her in a class in a, in, a, in a class I took on suicide and prevention at Acadia. Um, which is was a master class which I had to write a letter and say, Hey, can I please let into this class? Because I'm trying to do talk about mental health and I need all the resources I need. And the university had to go on a vote for it, and it was five four, and I got it, and I got let into that master's class. And she was introducing herself and talking about mental health. And she said, There's nothing worse than coming home. Um, she said, There's nothing worse than going home and possibly finding your daughter uh, dead. She said it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and when i heard those words i was like shook to the core and i knew that um, i would create a podcast based on that those sentences and i have an epi- i was lucky enough to get an episode with her which i'll release um, later this summer
1: Wow, so for people listening um, and not watching on youtube it's save me savewe.com where there's all kinds of amazing content here and uh, those stories sound really moving um, people should definitely like when you're done with this move over to there and, and check out that content as well which is something I'm going to do after the show
0: you should
1: um here, you take it Hillary.
0: for sure sorry I'm, re- I'm regrouping because I've been in that scenario and my eyes started to water so I'm just gonna have a deep have a, <laughs> have, a, have a have a deep breath with all of our listeners about that it's very heavy but it's it's extremely extremely important um for people to listen to that and also like I do think that a lot of people, the way that we speak about trauma and um, mental health now, that more and more people should be trauma-informed, because it does seem that a lot of the people in power are not trauma-informed, and it does tend to fall to regular civilians much more than it should, and it would be great if we all could just take a class (laughs) to figure out the best way to respond to people in distress, but... Anyway, I just need to ramble that while my eyes dried up. I know we're good. (laughs) So, like, obviously, you've been doing the workshops. So, you've also been, from my understanding, like, going into schools, speaking with people. And you had Tyshawn, as we mentioned, be one of the guest speakers as well. I thought
2: Tyshawn, for real.
0: Yeah, Tyshawn, (laughs) I mean, I know that he wants to, from my understanding, like, do something like that out here as well. And, like, is really trying to push mental health. He does, like, those Mental Health Mondays. And it seems like Uh. a really a lot of great you know black male people working towards breaking down these barriers um what do you envision save me save we or any of these you know speaker series and the podcasts and the um video series growing into what is your what are your future goals
2: um <laughs> would it be crazy if I said, um, I want not say, say we to be the Nike. Event.
1: <laughs> um, that's not great. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You got, you got a dream. You got a dream big. Yeah. Just do it.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: it, it, it's not crazy enough is what Nike would say. Um, yeah, exactly. but, um, no. So, and that, when I first met Tashad, uh, one of the things, um, the, one of the things we were talking on FaceTime is this needs to be fun. Um, this, like he doesn't want to do a presentation and it's like sad and people are moping around. He's like, no, this needs to be fun. And I think somewhere along the line, we we, we get confused with what mental health is. Um, and so I think I want Save Me, Save We to be synonymous with mental health and not mental illness, if that makes sense. I want, I want people to see Save Me, Save We as a resource and a place where they can come and get and increase their mental health literacy. have the resources, get the consulting for, for their organization. Um, and I say, and I say that I want Save Me, Save We to be the Nike, the Nike, like Nike, because Nike makes clothes for let's say for people who to to get in shape. You know what I mean? So, but when you see Nike, you see the result. You don't think about uh being out of shape if, if that makes sense. And so when when I want to see people wear Save Me, Save We, I want people to see. It like people thriving and the idea of thriving rather than the idea of mental illness and i think once i'm able to push the message of hey this is mental health and if if you're proactive and instead of reactive then things can be a lot better and so that's why i I really want to push the agenda of hey proactive self-care proactive um, wellness routines to everybody
0: less like mental health and more like, more like mentally healthy. Like this is what a good mentally sound person like looks like and feels like and can be so that they're an example of, of like the, the goal. And I really like, I really like that idea.
2: Yeah. And, and I think like, and I say like mentally healthy, like everybody has like met their mental health. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It is on a spectrum. It's on a continuum. And so it's it's just make, Instead of always, when every time people think about mental health, it has that connotation that things—it's—it has to be bad, right? It, or it's bad or it's sad. But on the continuum, you're either mentally healthy or mentally ill, and um, most people are in between and closer to the health. But I want the idea of like, hey, when we talk about mental health, it's not stigmatized. It's we see it as the gym shark or the athletic. Like we we see the athletic part, not the out of shape part if that makes
1: sense it's a cool concept it's a cool like yeah so Nike inspires athleticism um you want people i think what you're saying is you want people to see your brand and be inspired to work towards improving their mental health situation wherever it is on that spectrum
2: yeah exactly i don't want it to be a a motivator Uh, yeah
1: yeah something bad but of something good to achieve to to thrive towards
2: Exactly. Yeah. Constantly
1: working on every day, like health. You don't just get healthy once and then you're done for the rest of your life. Like you have to <laughs> yeah. maintain it and work on it and continue. Put the time and day. effort yeah, to exactly. it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's a great way to think about it. Um, did you, so you also, so you don't just do this, you... You model and you act and you're in this company and i'm not sure how many people are a part of this company maybe you want to tell us how big the team is if you if you feel comfortable if not don't worry about it um did you do those things before or after this when did those become passions of yours
2: um acting has been like a passion of mine since i'm like six i used to do um improv in montreal is a big thing um, so you have like improv teams and you, and you go to travel against other schools and you compete it's like one oh, yeah? improv team against the other yeah it's pretty sweet so
1: okay, on, in montreal sorry.
2: so like so what we would do so in montreal i would do that when i was like six seven and then when i moved to hamilton i was fortunate enough to have a, a elementary school that had an improv team that would compete other schools and so the crowd votes who had the best little skit and so it's like a, this very competitive aspect and i would get like regional all-star mvp and i was and I had set myself as a top improv player. And so acting had always felt fun and natural to me. And so um, when I went to school in Iowa, there was this joke that I was an underwear model from Canada because I was lean and shredded. And so when people started believing I was an actual model, I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should give it a shot. Post some couple pictures online, message a couple agents, um, got a couple, got back to me, had the chance to choose who I wanted at the time and started working with them and, Um, and then they were like, Hey, you know what? The day I got signed, they were like, you got an audition 30 minutes from now. Go. And I was like, "Oof." and so I was kind of thrown into the acting part. It was the first time I had done actual acting rather than improv. And, uh, I just enjoyed it and fell in love with it. So I kept doing it.
0: Are you, are you in anything that anybody can like go and watch? Uh,
2: yeah. So I, I, I wasn't digs town last year which um season three i think mm-hmm. um and then i did a sh- and then i'm a main character a principal character in uh, a show called these was a haunted and um uh, broken famous just a couple I, I, there's an imdb page so whatever you would see it on there yeah you'll um you'll be able to watch
0: no offense to anyone before, but our guests keep getting more and more prolific. <laughs> the winner um, of Big Brother, some with an IMDb page. Like we're we're getting very cool guests. I'm very happy, but that's that's thrilling. That's so exciting, and also it's amazing to get signed in. 30 minutes later, someone is already interested in in you. I don't know how often that happens, so that really must say something about how you came off and your talent, but also you're already well-spoken because you do speaking agents. So a lot of that, like it does all sort of the puzzle pieces do make sense. Clinton, are you pulling up the IMDb page? Cause yes, you are.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Am I on mute? Okay. Nope. Uh, okay. So walk us through here. So tell us a li- what to click on and tell us a little bit about, uh, this is really, yeah, this for is really sure. cool. Tell us a little bit what you did. Uh, all okay, right. So, more.
2: um, so- so scariest side of my life was I did that. I was actually in twenty twenty, I believe, or 20, and or twenty nineteen, and I'm the main character. So it's like a scary episode, like it's like a reenactment episode. And so, um, my character meets a girl, and uh, later on finds out that she's a werewolf. And so, it's like it was like this whole episode. I don't know how to explain it, but um, it was a whole three days of, of you know. Honestly, what I'm going to say out of this episode is. I showed up on set about 30 minutes late and uh, I show up and there's already three guys there that were supposed to be my best friend, like in the show. And uh, they were so close. I was like, man, you guys know each other your whole life. They're like, no, we met each other 20 minutes ago. I'm like, what? And so the next three days, all of us were so tight. And the, ca- and the producers and the and cast was like, we've never seen anybody come so close together so quickly. And so I left that show with like lifetime fr- friends that I still hang out with till this day. But um, that was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, definitely one of my favorite shows to shoot. And then for Digstown, um, I play the role of Reed, which was super quick. It was about like a couple minutes on screen, and um, I'm I get heated with this lady who uh, ends up killing me. But so the interaction is about a couple minutes, and I just get under her skin, and I'm her niece's. Um, uh, her niece's boyfriend, and so I get right up in yes. her face. I get my mean mug her, talk, 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 all that good stuff, and then she just cracks me and kills me later on. Um, so that was a fun episode to shoot as well.
0: Is it Yo. hard to die on screen?
2: Uh, you're thankfully, you're they...
0: Uh...
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when they were like, can you make a, a noise if you dying? I was like, uh, what, does, what does that sound like? <laughs> so it was kind of weird, but um, thankfully, like, you they they because it is CBC they don't show the whole action if it was stars yeah. or something ran something ran by 50 cent like yeah. I would have Power. had to yeah. do a lot more <laughs> but true. um no it was like the beginning and the ending seemed me dead on the ground so that was a really fun to shoot as well
1: i've never've heard of this wish... but I've never watched it so I'm gonna message you after. or you could like do you know what season episode that was I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that on the gem.
2: um yeah it's um season three episode three click click on jojo Kirby for okay something. i
1: was ashamed. yeah i'm not i'm not great with IMDb. that's 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 also, the name you gotta get your profile episode. picture where's your profile picture where's the
2: so so here's what ha- so here's what's going on so everybody who has an imdb page like everybody here um their agent or themselves pay for it and they uh, create yeah. their own account okay and i was not seeing any benefits of still paying for my imdb account i hear that uh, which which i stopped honestly like a month ago um, because I, I haven't been, I decided not to, to act as much this entire summer. Um, because man, you get paid well, but your taxes are crazy. So I was like, nice. uh, you know, <laughs> I, I need my account to teach me a little more on this. So, but no, so my, my IMDB is going to stay down until I do another show and then I'm going to bring it back up gotcha. when the show airs and type of thing.
1: Okay. Season three, episode two. Cool. Wow.
0: Well, I know Digstown, I know that, I don't know, I'm not going to say who it is that you and I, Clinton, both know, but we know someone who's going to be on the next season now that they're filming in PEI and not in Nova Scotia. And we've also, we're supposed to have someone who's, I think, always on the show, like a recurring character as a guest. So we need to watch the show for several reasons. And several different reasons.
2: Are you allowed to name drop Um, who you know is going to be?
0: Who I know who's going to be, I don't think that we should, but we know um like uh, we know MFO, who's friends with Logic of stolen from Africa, who we want to get on the show, who mm-hmm. Logic of stolen from Africa said he would get us on, um, and I know he's a recurring character on. But the PI awesome. person, I'll tell you, I'll tell you after for sure. I just don't want to say anything, and then for some reason that person is like CBC kicks <laughs> them off. Yeah, yeah, obviously CBC listens to every podcast that we do.
1: Everyone, yeah,
2: every, yeah, every yeah. single
0: one. Anyway.
2: oh, uh, I forgot to say it's not there, but uh, have you guys watched the show Moonshine?
0: I've
2: not. No. It's now on Netflix, but uh, I was casted to do a small role for them last year, and uh, if you guys are looking for Nova Scotia shows to watch, uh, Moonshine's the one to go with. It's also a great show.
0: I've heard with lo- it. With,
2: with some local guys. That's
0: great show.
1: Amazing. Huh. I'm looking for it. But that's cool. I mean, and to our listeners, listening to the audio, that's great. But more and more, we're getting better with this this video stuff. So you're going to have to start converting over to our YouTube channel so we can grow that too.
0: Yeah, do that. And also go like watch all of the stuff that we've now referenced too. Watch our podcast. Watch all of the IMDb list. Just under- look up
1: Junior more, yes. and um, yeah, find it all.
0: Yeah, find all of it. That's insane. So you decided to act less this summer to focus more on the brand or enjoying your summer
2: yeah well I well full disclosure I had a crazy surgery in March which gave mm-hmm. which kind of sidelined me for a couple of weeks and so um I was like I just decided not to act as much this right. this summer plus my hair is a little different than the pictures I on the IMDb page so I'm getting them redreaded uh I'm gonna get myself a new photo shoot so when the IMDb page is back up
1: it's gonna be popping <laughs> All right, all right. That's all fair,
0: right. that's fair, that's fair. That, that's exciting. All right, exciting, well,
1: I feel like we could probably talk to you for another hour or yeah. two, but we're way past seven, and I don't know what your timeline is for the night. <laughs> but, um, yeah, is there anything else you want the listeners to know? Any thoughts you have, final uh, messages about what you're doing that you want to leave, impressions you want to leave with the people?
2: Um, Like, the only message I want to say is, like myself and everybody that I do you know, like, you do not have to be a mental health expert or have all the resources to talk about mental health. Um, It's going to be something I talk about for the rest of my life um, with my peers and strangers. And I just want to encourage everybody to, if you feel sad for more than one or two days or you see somebody, you know, care about, act out of character for one or two days, very important to reach out. Do not be afraid. Nobody is offended by getting asked if they're okay. Um, And getting comfortable by getting uncomfortable talking about mental health is the only way we can improve um, the overall health of this world. And so I just wanna, everybody who did listen, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening, but most importantly, um, prioritize your personal mental health and um, check in on friends
1: strong message. That's a strong Absolutely. ending. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um so for us, thank you for tuning in once again as well. Find us on all your your social sites and streaming channels. And uh you took the words out of my mouth, Junior. I always give thanks to anyone who's listening through <laughs> to the end. Yep. So big shout out respect for that. We're celebrating like uh I mean not millions but 1500 listens yeah. this week. So that's awesome. pretty good. And uh yeah, it's awesome. growing. So yeah, yeah.
0: We're doing pretty good. So yeah, save me save we.com. Clinton Davis, Cropberry, Justin Moaku. That was an episode.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: We're good. Peace. Thanks, for yes. day, everyone. Bye.
2: See you.